Hey everyone, this is Reshma from Edureka and today's session is going to be about DevOps Engineer. So thank you all the attendees for joining today's session. If you all can hear me fine, kindly drop me a quick confirmation on the chat window so that I can proceed. Okay, Jamie says yes, Ajay says yes, Mayank, Nathan. Okay, thank you guys. So let us begin today's session by looking at the agenda for today. So at first, we'll look at the demand of DevOps in the current IT industry. We'll also learn why do we actually need a DevOps engineer and the demands of a DevOps engineer. And we'll also take a look at who is a DevOps engineer because it has always been kind of a myth that whether a role like a DevOps engineer actually exists or not. And I'll clear all your doubts for you that it actually does. And we'll look at the roles of a DevOps engineer about what kind of things they do actually in a company. You'll also know the skills required to become a DevOps engineer and the learning path that you need to follow if you are in a pursuit of becoming a DevOps engineer. And finally, we'll see how all the DevOps engineers are getting paid across the globe by looking at the salary scheme. So I hope that the agenda is clear to you guys. Are we good to go? Okay, Jamie says yes. Nathan says yes. So let us begin today's session. And our first topic is demand of DevOps. Let me begin by saying that DevOps is really high in demand in today's IT scenario. Almost all of the big companies have adopted DevOps and the rest are grappling onto DevOps. And why is that? Because DevOps actually brings in a lot of things for you and there are six of them in front of you right now and the best thing about it is that everything is interlinked. So let me take you through all of them. So the first thing that DevOps actually avails is cross-team collaboration. If you look at the name DevOps, you would know that it is a merge of the two words development and operations. This is the main aim of DevOps, to integrate all these teams together. In DevOps, there is only one team and everyone knows what is happening in the company or how your software or application is actually getting developed and deployed onto the production server. So a member in the development team would know what is going on in the operations and testing and similarly a person in the testing team would know what is going on in the development team and the operations team and so on. And what happens with a cross-team collaboration is that it gives you agility. I'll tell you how. Because let's say you are a developer and you're developing your software. So if a person in the operations team already know that what source code or what is getting developed, what kind of code they're going to deal with later after the development is over, they can start configuring their servers, the test servers and the production servers according to the code that the developers are producing. And in similar way, if the developer already knows that how the operations team has actually configured all the servers, they can start writing the code that is compatible with the configurations of the servers that the operations team made. So there is transparency. Everyone knows what is going on in what team and how the software is getting deployed from the start to the end and hence you can actually achieve better agility not only in the developer side but in the testing and operation and everywhere. And tests have actually shown that the code is actually deployed almost 30 times more faster with DevOps. And DevOps also gives you another facility which is known as the continuous delivery of your product. So if you see this diagram here, you'll see that it avails you with continuous development, build, 
test, deploy, release, everything. Everything is continuously done. You're making faster deployments with continuous delivery. Now, if you're using the old method where you have to finish developing first and then go to testing and production, it takes a lot of time. But if everything is happening continuously, newer releases are made even more frequently and it actually makes your code and your product more reliable. And if you see the results, you'll find that there are 50% less failures of the new releases with DevOps. So obviously that is the reason DevOps is very high in demand and every other company is grappling onto it. So I hope you have understood why DevOps is important and why the demands are so high. So any questions on this? Okay, so no questions. So I'll move ahead. And now we'll understand why do we actually need a DevOps engineer and we'll understand it with a case study of Alice. Now I'll tell you it's not Alice from Wonderland. I'm sorry to disappoint you guys, but I'm very sure that you like this one as well. So what is Alice? It's not Alice from Wonderland. It is actually a hotel management application. So this can be used by the hotel staff members and also the guests as well. So suppose you are a guest and you enter a hotel and they're using Alice as their management application. You can order anything, let's say if you want to order any kind of service in the hotel, like housekeeping, laundry, spa, food, anything that you need, you can just go to the app or go to the website or just through SMS, you can just directly contact every staff in the hotel. You can book any kind of service without contacting the desk every time you need something. And the reason that the people who has actually started to develop Alice thought that and every hotel can actually just buy the service of Alice so and it manages all the services that a guest orders. So every time a guest orders something, it contacts directly to the employee and it gets all included in the account. And when they're checking out, they can just directly deliver the bill to the guest with all the services that the guest actually availed in the hotel. And they could just buy the service. And that's why it's getting very popular right now. And most of the hotels in Europe and United States are using Alice. But you must be wondering that why am I telling you about the story of Alice about this application? Because actually the development story that when people actually started developing Alice, it's a very interesting story and it's related to DevOps. So we'll understand it by looking at the problems and how they actually solved it. So at the early stage when they were developing Alice and when Alice was getting deployed for the first time, they were not maintaining automation, neither they had any kind of production support in, or infrastructure updates and they were not researching for new tools because pretty much everyone who was working with Alice was very concerned about and only focused on just developing the product. They were not thinking about automation or any other kind of thing or they were not thinking of including new tools into it because they would have to go on research on new tools and how to implement this. It would actually take a lot of time and they were actually maintaining a monolithic structure and they did not have any kind of solutions for configuration management, uh, continuous integration and continuous delivery of the product. But as they started getting popular, the new clients came up with new requests and everyone wanted new features in the application. So that was the time when they realized that they could not just carry out developing with such a monolithic structure. Okay, so Jamie has a question. He asked that what were the problems with a monolithic structure? Now, there were certain kind of problems. Now, thank you, Jamie, for asking that question. So let me just explain it to you in terms of the application Alice. 
So let's say in Alice, in the application, since you're booking services, let's say you have got certain kind of services like, uh, let's say you've got laundry, so I'm writing L for laundry, then you've got uh, housekeeping, and let's say the other one is food. Well, I apologize for my really bad handwriting with this pen. I'm not really good with the mouse, but my real handwriting is actually very good. Okay, anyway, so I was talking about the services. You have got laundry, housekeeping, and food. Now, if you have a monolithic structure, everything is actually interconnected. The housekeeping, the food, the laundry. So if at any time that if you want to update, let's say, the laundry service, you want to update something in the application. So if you want to do that, and since they're interconnected, there are going to be very dependency issues because when you're updating this particular service, your entire application is going to go down. The user cannot use any other services, even if you're just updating or just there is a bug in any kind of services. Now, if you have a microservices defined, this won't be interconnected at all. So the laundry service will be uh, one microservice, the housekeeping would be another, and the food would be another. So let's say now, when you have microservices defined, if there is a bug in the laundry, you can still go on and use the housekeeping and food services. It will not be affected at all. Nothing will be hampered when you have microservices. So this is actually what they needed in Alice to solve all these problems because they had to make constant updates according to their client request and they wanted a microservice architecture for their development. But the question was how to include microservices. And they finally found out a solution and the solution was DevOps. Now with DevOps they could actually do all these things, define a microservice architecture, make continuous delivery because they were actually lagging behind in making their software releases faster to their clients and it was actually hampering them a lot. So they wanted to include DevOps to avail automation, continuous integration, configuration management and continuous delivery of their product. But again, finding a solution is one thing and implementing is another thing. So the question was, how do they do that? So they first started adopting DevOps, and they were trying to carry out the use of new DevOps tools. But since everyone in Alice were a full-stack developer, if they were trying to do the things to include DevOps, it was actually eating up a lot of their time. So what to do now? So they actually needed a DevOps engineer, a person who will be solely doing these kind of things, include all the DevOps tools, then actually implement automated deployment and write configurations for all their servers and, and avail collaboration among the testing team and the developing team and hence making continuous delivery possible. So this is when Alice realized that they need a person as a DevOps engineer to carry out all this stuff because the developers were too busy developing the code, the testing people were busy on just writing the test cases and testing out the code that the developer write and the operations team and were too busy configuring the servers to deploy it onto the production server and making releases. So they needed a person who would actually include DevOps and carry out all the operations for continuous integration, continuous testing and continuous delivery. So I hope that you've understood the need of a DevOps engineer with this case study. So any questions on this? Okay, so Mayank says no questions, it's pretty clear. So thank you Mayank. So I'll move on to the next topic and now we'll see the demands of a DevOps engineer.
So now these are the big giants in the IT industry who are actually adopting DevOps and they're hiring DevOps engineer to carry out all their tasks. So we have got this five big companies in front of you. Yeah, okay, Mayank, go on if you have a question. Okay, so Mayank asked a question. He asked that how many DevOps tools do we need to learn to be a DevOps engineer? Well, thank you Mayank for asking that question. I'll be covering this in the learning part when I'll tell you about how to actually prepare yourself if, if you want to be a DevOps engineer, what kind of tools that you need to master. So I'll just ask you to hang in there until I reach that topic and you'll understand that. So just have some patience Mayank. Okay, Mayank says okay. So let us move on and let us see that how different companies are hiring DevOps engineer and for what purpose. So we have got HP here and HP wants a DevOps engineer to build DevOps solutions using relevant tools. And since DevOps is all about using tools, so HP wants someone who have got expertise with these tools and include all these tools in order to produce releases more faster using DevOps. And similarly with Tesla, they wanted to adopt advanced system engineering and, and in order to do that, they wanted DevOps to achieve advanced system engineering and they are hiring DevOps engineer for that purpose. Similarly with SAP, uh, they want a DevOps engineer to be an end-to-end DevOps strategist. They want the DevOps engineer to plan everything and make a proper strategy so in order to achieve agility, reliability and everything else that DevOps brings you. Similarly with Cisco, they want DevOps engineer for virtualization using DevOps. Now whenever you talk about virtualization, the first thing, the tools that actually come to your mind are Docker and Vagrant. So Cisco wants the DevOps engineer to include these kind of tools for virtualization. And with Amazon, they want the DevOps engineer for DevOps development. Now Amazon actually provides you with DevOps services, so obviously they want the DevOps engineer for DevOps development. So I hope that you're all clear with this topic and there are other companies also looking for the DevOps engineer and they're actually hiring DevOps engineer in their company and, and they're performing some kind of roles. We'll be talking about that later on. So any questions on this slide? Okay, Mayang says no questions. So now the question is who is a DevOps engineer? And I'll be covering that who should you be or what kind of traits that you should possess in order to become a DevOps engineer. So the first is you need to be a DevOps evangelist. It means that you need to be a person who is actually going to support DevOps and who is going to embrace the change that DevOps brings in. Now this change can be taken place in two ways. Either it will be a top-down approach or a bottom-up approach. Now if you're one of the top bosses in the companies, all you have to do if you want to include DevOps, you just have to pass an order and everyone is bound to follow it. It's going to be very hassle-free. But if you're one of a team lead who is not one of the higher bosses in the company, what you can do is that you can just take up that initiative that I want to implement DevOps on my team. And let's see what happens. And you have to make everyone realize the benefits of DevOps, what DevOps actually brings into your company and what kind of benefits you can actually achieve. You have to support the DevOps movement and you need to be a DevOps evangelist for that purpose.
After that, you need to be a quality assurance professional. So if you're working in an IT company, the main thing that you should ensure about is the quality of your product because this is what will go to your customer and at the end, everyone wants a happy customer and if you fail to fulfill that, you are not doing it successfully. Your company is not going to be successful if your product is wrong and your customers don't like it. So you have to make sure that your product is of the best quality and you have to make sure that when you're testing team or your testers are writing the test cases for your product, they are proper and you always have to keep the customer needs in mind so that you can test your product properly and according to the customer needs. And since I'm talking about the product, a DevOps engineer should be a successful release manager as well because releasing your product in time is also very, very important. You don't want the customers to wait along for the product because they will actually find out different ways to get their product or they will just find out other people to avail those services if you actually delay the release of your product. So you have to make sure that the product is actually released and it's of the best quality. And as a DevOps engineer, you have to design all the test cases and the plan for when it is actually going to get deployed on the production server and into the hands of your customer. And he also needs to be a software developer because the core of an IT company is the development team because this is where your product actually starts evolving and this is the core thing of your product. And if you are a DevOps engineer, if you're going to take care of the development team as well, you need to understand how a software developer actually develops a software. You have to understand how to code and you have to think of ways to improve the quality of the code so that it does not include redundant data and redundant lines so that the runtime is small. You have to know to develop the software as well. You need knowledge on that too. And also you need to be a utility technology player. Now technology is moving very fast. There are new tools and new technologies coming every day. So you must be a person that is going to just grab on uh, just to have a grasp on every new technology that comes so that you can improve the system more and you need to be very fast in understanding new technology so that you can include more tools in your system to make your system and your software lifecycle even more faster and better. And finally, you need to be an automation architect because you might not know everything of everything. You might know a little bit about uh, development, but you know everything about operations. But if you want all your deployments to be faster, everything starts from developing, then testing, and then deploying the software onto the production server. So you have to rely on automation for that. You have to define how this entire cycle would carry out from the start to the end. So you need to be able to define automation as well and you have to lay out all the plan about how these tasks are going to carry out one by one and define automation for your system. So I hope that it's clear to everyone that what are the qualities to be a DevOps engineer. Okay, so Mayank says that there is a lot to know. Obviously, uh, Mayank, you have to know a lot. You don't need to master everything. Let's say that you can choose any of this and master on one of them, but you have to be a person who could just grasp on things very quickly. Because if you're adopting DevOps and you are a DevOps engineer, and DevOps takes care of the entire life cycle of your software. So obviously you have to know everything about how your software is getting developed and deployed so that you can actually implement tools there. So, but Mayank, don't be scared. I'll be actually telling you a systematic way of how you can start knowing all of these things. So, any questions on this?
Okay, Mayang says no questions. Okay, so we'll move on to the next topic and we'll see what roles a DevOps engineer actually plays in an organization. So the first role that a DevOps engineer plays is maintaining the code base with version control because your software starts with developing it. So as a DevOps engineer, the first thing that you need to do is define a version control system in your software development lifecycle. This is where you'll be storing all the source code that your developer makes and it will store it in different versions so that your developers will actually make changes onto the source code many times and you have to define a system that will take care of all the changes, include the changes and store it in different versions. And in order to do that, the developer might be using, let's say, tools like Git or subversions. There are other version control tools as well. And as a DevOps engineer, you have to maintain that those tools are working fine and they're storing versions so that even if a developer makes a mistake, if you want to make a quick rollback, you can do that because you want your software to be very reliable so that you don't lose any kind of data. So you have to store it in one place. And since DevOps ensures that it is a one team, so you'll be not only storing the source code that the developer makes, but all the configuration scripts that is running on the operations team, you have to maintain this in a same repository or a same data space as well. So you have to take care of the source code and all the files that your operations team code and your developers code. And since the main aim of DevOps is to make all your releases more faster, you have to define a continuous integration and continuous delivery pipeline and version control is the very first step to do that. The next rule is you have to make software builds and test with continuous integration. Now, since I'm talking about continuous integration, you need a continuous integration platform. And the first thing that you need to do is pull out the source code that the developers have coded wherever you're storing, whether it's a Git repository or a subversion repository. Just you need to pull that code first. And you can use tools like Jenkins or Travis for that. And it will just pull out the source code, make a build, compile it to make a build. And you can use uh, building tools like Ant, Maven, Gradle, etc. And after a build is made, it will send it to the test server for testing it out. And if the test is successful, it will give a feedback to the developers that, that it is okay and they can start working on a different version or a different feature as well. And if it's wrong, they will also get the feedback and they can quickly make changes so that it works fine in the test server and in the production server as well. So this is how tools like Jenkins, you can actually define a continuous integration and continuous delivery pipeline. You can plan how the things will carry out, compile, test, and deploy on the production server and Jenkins actually does not do anything on its own it actually integrates other tools together like I've told you that for maintaining code base with version control it is using git and maybe in the production server they're using other tools for configuring so Jenkins is the tool that actually integrates with all these tools and make these tools compatible to work with each other after that you have to apply configuration management now configuration management system actually takes care of 
all your inventory, all your servers about how they need to be configured. You can write configuration management scripts for that and you'll be using configuration management tools like Ansible, Solstack, Puppet, Chef. These are all configuration management tools that will allow you to configure all your servers at once by writing scripts. And you must be wondering that why to actually include configuration management because let's say if you're working on a very big company and you've got thousand servers. So the developer team actually came out with a code and you need a certain kind of software to run on the test server and the production server. So you have to include that and install that software on all of the thousand servers. So as a DevOps engineer, you have to think of ways to how to do that. You cannot just go to just manually log into every server and install it in every other servers. So as a DevOps engineer, you'll be using tools like Ansible and Chef Puppet, who is actually going to configure and install all the necessary software by provisioning it at once by writing scripts. So this is what you need to do as a DevOps engineer to apply configuration management. And configuration management is actually applied on the entire software development lifecycle. So you need to configure even the dev server, prod, and test server at once. And you have to implement tools in order to do that. And after that, you have to manage cloud servers. And nowadays, everything is done on cloud. Everyone prefers uh, cloud platforms like AWS in order to develop their product and build their product on a cloud platform. And why? Because it avails you with auto scale up and scale down. Let me explain this to you with an example. Let's say that if you are working on an e-commerce website, let's say Flipkart, now they are hosting big billion days every now and then. So obviously when you are trying to host a mega sale for your e-commerce website, so obviously you will be expecting a lot of traffic. You might need more servers to handle that kind of request and you might even need load balancers for distributing the traffic onto all your web servers. So you cannot just always rely on buying a bare metal server and doing that. And because after your sale is going to be over, it's just going to lie there without any use, without any purpose, and you have like spend a lot of money on buying the new hardware, and it's of no use after the sale is over. So that's why you want to shift to uh, elastic cloud infrastructure that will allow you to auto-scale up when you need, so you can just include new servers or load balancers in your system. So when you're expecting a lot of traffic and after your sale is over, you can auto-scale down. You can just discard all those that you don't need them. So you're not, you're saving a lot of money and you're saving a lot of time also because you don't have to configure new hardware again, a cloud platform like AWS or Azure, they will do that for you. So that's why you need to understand how to manage your cloud servers as well. And after that, you have to adopt automation for continuous delivery because if you want continuous delivery of your product, I was talking about a continuous integration and delivery pipeline. You have to make sure how this task will actually lay out, how all the tasks will execute in order. You have to define that too in order to achieve automation and so that your product is delivered continuously onto the production server and finally it goes on to the hands of your customer. So you have to make sure that all the tasks are in proper order and they are properly orchestrated. Well, this process is actually called orchestration. So you have to define them as well. So I hope that you have all understood the roles of a DevOps engineer. Any doubts on this? Okay, so Jamie says no doubts. So I'll move ahead and we'll understand the skills required to be a DevOps engineer, the skills the companies are looking for when they want to hire a DevOps engineer.
Now since I was talking about the role where you have to maintain code base with version control, well there are certain skills that you need to possess for that. Like if you want to maintain version control, you must be using version control tools like Git or Subversion. So you need to have expert knowledge on how to use the source code management tools like Git and Subversion. And you must include code branching best practices like Gitflow. And Gitflow is actually a branching model for Git that avails collaboration. And since I was talking about that you need to include the ops code in your source code management too, you have to include all the scripts that your operations team write, whether they're in YAML, let's say Python scripts or Ruby. So you have to include them in your source code management as well. And you have to have the skills of how to manage all these different files together at one place. And for that, you can use GitHub because GitHub lets you host a repository where you can store all your source code files in there. So you need to have expertise in using these kind of tools and these kind of platforms like GitHub. And next, while you're making, building, and testing, you need to use a continuous integration platform. And you can choose either Jenkins or Travis for that. And Jenkins and Travis are actually tools that avails continuous integration. They let you define a continuous integration, continuous test, and continuous delivery pipeline for you. You need to have an expert knowledge about using these tools, about how to include build tools like uh, Ant, Maven, Gradle, and perform unit testing using these tools and defining how it will go into the test server, how to pull the code from the source code repository. And then finally, you have to define how these kind of platforms like Jenkins and Travis will actually pull the code from the Git repository or the source code repository that you're using and how it will perform unit testing and finally be deployed on the test server for testing it out completely. And then after that, how it will get actually deployed on the production server. And you need to also have the skills on how you will actually configure Jenkins and other tools of continuous integration to pull a source code repository and how it will actually interact with all other tools that you're using. Because like I told you, Jenkins does not exactly do anything. It, it only integrates the different tools together. So you have to have knowledge and skills on how to actually configure Jenkins as well. After that, since you're going to apply configuration management, you need to have experience using any configuration management database system. You must understand how to configure your servers properly, what kind of scripts that you write, and when exactly to run them, and how to use different configuration management tools, like I was telling you, like Ansible, Chef, Puppet, Solsec, etc. And some of them are agentless and some of them use agents so you have to have skills to understand them as well that how to actually drive configuration management tool that is agentless and if they're using agents how to use them as well so you need to also understand how to baseline your inventory also about according to the architecture or the kind of task each of your inventory is going to perform. If there are node machines, they should be separated in one list. If there are web servers and the other. So you have to have the skills for that too. Okay, so Mayank has a question. He asked that, can you please explain configuration management in brief? Okay, thank you for the question, Mayank. Well, Mayank, let me explain you configuration management in brief. Well, configuration management is actually the management of your software and your hardware. 
it is the management of your entire infrastructure because that's what makes up your entire infrastructure, right? The software and the hardware. And it defines how each of your servers and each of your node machines should work. It provides them with a baseline according to their architecture, according to the tasks they are going to perform. And it actually documents everything so that you can roll back to a previous version of your infrastructure. And in that context, let me just give you an example of the NYSE. Now, NYSE, where you using configuration management and at one time they actually installed a particular software but it actually stopped working it failed on eight of the node machines out of 20 machines and their system was down for almost 90 minutes they were actually successful to roll back to the previous version in just 90 minutes you know even though it sounds like it was a failure that they were down for 90 minutes it is actually a success story that because of configuration management they were able to roll back to a previous version because fixing all those problems may have taken a lot of time and they would have suffered a lot of loss. So this is why you should include configuration management. So I have actually told you what is configuration management and the need of configuration management as well. So I hope it's clear to you Mayank. Okay, he says nice example. Okay, thank you Mayank. So since I was telling you you need to apply configuration management, now you have even understood the importance of it. So you need to have experience with these kind of tools. So when these kind of problems arise in your company, you are able to handle them and you have a proper configuration management defined. And after that, while you are managing cloud servers, you need to have expertise on core cloud computing and storage components. Uh, and you have to understand most of the virtualization technologies like VMware, OpenStack. You need to have the skills on how to use an elastic infrastructure like AWS, Azure, DigitalOcean so that you can avail auto scale up and auto scale down like I was talking about. So you need to have an idea about these kind of platforms so that you can implement it. So that when your company needs more servers, they want to include more instances, you can actually work on these kind of cloud platforms and manage it whenever you need new things or if you want to discard some old servers that you do not need or if you want to decrease the number of instances that you're using. So you need to have an expert knowledge on how to actually manage your infrastructure on cloud as well and after that since I was talking about automation you need to have proper knowledge on how to use automation as well okay the skills that you require are to orchestrate code push using configuration management tools you need to define how this task will carry out in order and that is called orchestration like I told you so you have to write scripts. You need to have the skills to write scripts about how to define the order of the different tasks. And for that, you need to have a vast skill and a vast knowledge on which task to perform first. You have to analyze that as well. And you need skills of using tools like Ansible and Jenkins is also an automation tool. Jenkins, Travis, Ansible, Chef, they're all automation tools. You need to have expert knowledge on using these automation tools as well. And you also have to know to write code using scripting languages. So these are the skills that you require and most of the companies desire for when they're looking for a DevOps engineer. So does any of you fulfill all the skills right now? Okay, you may or may not answer this question. So should I move ahead? Do you have any kind of questions on the skills section? Any questions, guys, or should I just move ahead? Okay, so Jamie says no questions. 
So these were actually the core technical skills that is required. But apart from that, you need some more skills too. You need to have operational skills because you will be working with the ops team and it is said that a DevOps engineer is actually a software developer who knows something about operations or he is a system admin who has been working on the operations team and he knows something about development. So you need to have all the skills. You need to have an operational skills. You need to understand how your software is getting deployed. You need to understand the concepts of it. And since DevOps is all about communication, about collaborating, and for collaborating you need to have good communication skills. And also analytical skills as well. You need to have a very good knowledge about deductive reasoning. Maybe not like Sherlock, but a little close to that. So you need to analyze things properly so that you can take steps that is actually going to benefit your company, make your software delivery even more faster. So you need to have these kind of general skills as well. So I hope it's clear to everyone. And I'll move on to the next topic so that I can tell you that if you are in a pursuit of becoming a DevOps engineer, this is going to be a learning path. These are the things one by one that you need to master on in order to become a DevOps engineer. So let's take a look at them. So the first thing you need to do is learn version control. You need to learn about the concepts of version control. Learn why do we need it. Learn how does a version control work. And since you'll be using tools, you learn about the most popular version control tools like Git or Subversion. There are others like Mercurial, CVS, everything. Just master on any one of the version control tools and learn how to use GitHub because all of the companies right now, most of the companies right now are using GitHub to maintain their code. Okay, so Jamie has a question. He says, I am a Linux administrator. Where should I start from in order to become a DevOps engineer? Well, since I was telling you a DevOps engineer is usually a system administrator who knows something about development or a developer who knows something about the operations. So since you are already a Linux administrator, you are almost halfway there. So you just need to cover the part of the development process and you can start with version control. I'll be telling you, I'll be going through all of the things that you need to master on. So you just you can just check that which of the things that you already know and which are the things that you need to understand in order to become a DevOps engineer. So, so I'm going to ask a question at the end after I finish this learning part to you, Jamie, that what are the things that you need to master on after you have seen the learning path? Is that okay with you, Jamie? Okay, he says yes. So we'll move on and I was telling you to learn about version control and learn about the version control tools and learn about how to use GitHub. So these are the things that you need to master on learn what is continuous integration and learn all the concepts of it because you'll be doing everything with continuous integration. This is going to start pulling code from the repository like I told you and deploying onto the other servers. So these tools are very important. These tools are important for automation as well. So you have to understand how to use a continuous integration platform and tools like Jenkins or Travis and also build tools like Ant, Maven, Gradle. So learn about all of them, master in any one of these tools or any one of the build tools, any one of the uh, continuous integration tools through all, you don't have to master all of the tools, but choose the most popular ones and the most popular one is Jenkins right now. So I'll advise you to focus on Jenkins if you're reading about continuous integration and learning about how to use continuous integration. After that, you have to understand the concepts of configuration management as well. And 
you have to understand how to use tools like Ansible, Chef, Puppet. And since you'll be using these kind of tools, they use a kind of scripting languages where you define the configurations. You should learn how to define them as well. Let's say that if you're using Ansible, they write all their scripts and playbooks in YAML code. So you can learn YAML or you can learn XML, JSON for writing definitions for your scripts as well. Okay, so Jamie asked, can I get all this knowledge at Edureka? Uh, yes, of course, Jamie. Edureka has a course defined where you can learn all of these things. You can learn version control, continuous integration. So they've got a course just defined for DevOps. So you can just buy that course. You can learn about all this. And the very good thing is that they start with a project. So you'll actually be doing a real-life project from day one to the last day while you are learning it. So it's not just the concepts, but you are actually going to do real industry work while you're taking the course. So if you're interested, you can take that too. Okay, now coming on to cloud, the things that you need to understand is first learn all the networking basics and learn about all different cloud platforms because at some point of time your company will be using a cloud platform in order to maintain their servers or instances because like I told you everyone wants an elastic infrastructure and with the cloud infrastructure you can avail that so learn about the cloud infrastructure as well how a cloud infrastructure is laid out and learn how to use platforms like AWS Microsoft Azure Digital Ocean and so let me just uh, tell you Jamie since you asked me about the course that you can take up from Edureka. So if you're planning to take up the DevOps course, and now since I'm talking about cloud, you can also take up the AWS Architect course as well because that will teach you how to use AWS and you can how to manage your projects on an AWS platform as well. And since you also have to learn programming for cloud, you have to learn how to use the AWS CLI, AWS command line interface, so you can learn that there as well. So you can choose wherever you want to learn from, just learn all the basics of it, dive deep into the concepts of everything, and I'm pretty sure that you will be ready for an interview of a DevOps engineer. And if you could master about all of these concepts, I'm pretty sure you'll be very ready and you'll be a DevOps engineer very soon, and finally you can thank me later when you get that job. So is it clear to everyone, this is the learning path that you need to follow. And Jamie, since you asked me, can I ask you again that what are the things that you need to master on right now that you don't know? Okay, so Jamie says that he needs to learn about version control and continuous integration. So Jamie, I will say that you get started with learning all these things. So I'm pretty sure that if you can master, you've already mastered the others. So if you can master this too, you'll be all ready to become a DevOps engineer. So thank you, Jamie. Uh, does anyone have any other questions? Okay, so Jamie says, hell yes, I'll be ready. So good luck to you, Jamie. So I'll move on to the next topic and let us see the salary scheme. Let us all talk about the money. So now your salary can be based on certain factors. It can depend on your experience that you have, the geographic location, that you are currently working on and the team size that you handle. 
So I have actually collected all this data from Encapsula.com. They have done a survey and, and the graph that you see here, these are the stats of the 2016 DevOps survey that they did on a DevOps engineer. So this is actually the money that a DevOps engineer is running. This is the annual salary breakdown of all the DevOps practitioners. And I have just picked out the salaries of a DevOps engineer in particular. So if you can see here that there are 21.7 percent people that are earning less than $60,000 and there are 17.9 percent people that are earning from $60,000 to $80,000 and 18.4 percent people are earning from $80,000 to $100,000 16.9 percent people are earning from $100,000 to $120,000 and you can just check out the rest of them I think it's no use dictating all of them that you can already see. And thing that you must be wondering is that why these variations? And it is because of these three. Because your experience matters, your geographic location matters, and your team size also matters. Okay, so Nathan asked the question, how much can I expect after learning DevOps? So since I'm going to talk about experience, you'll know that if you just learn DevOps and if you just want to step on into being a DevOps engineer, so let's say that you'll be less than one year of experience. So we'll see that chart right now, Nathan. So I'll give you the answer in a moment. Is that okay with you? Okay, so Nathan has a question, how much a fresher can earn learning DevOps? Now, since I'm going to talk about experience right now, so as a fresher, it means that you have got zero years of experience. So let us see that right now about how your salary can actually vary according to the experience of you have. So I'm just going to answer your question in a moment, Nathan. So is that okay with you? Okay, so he says, all right. So the first thing that matters is your geographic location. So now I have laid down the world map. So if you can see in the Asia Pacific region, the average salary is $25,000 for a DevOps engineer per year. And it's the same thing with the Eastern Europe part, which is also $25,000 per year. Now if you see in Western Europe, they're actually paying all the DevOps engineer a little more not just a little more, almost double of what Asia is paying them. So they're earning from about $50,000 to $75,000. And with the Latin countries, it's the same like Asia and Eastern Europe. They're also paying the DevOps engineer with a salary of just $25,000. But if you see in Australia, they're paying the DevOps engineers almost $75,000 to $99,999. And the scenario in North America is a little better. Well, actually, it's a lot better than Asia and the other Latin countries. You can see that they, in Canada, they are paying all the DevOps engineers about $75,000 to $99,000 per year. And it's the highest in the United States of America where they're paying the DevOps engineers starting from $100,000 to $125,000. So if you want to earn a lot of money as a DevOps engineer, maybe you should just shift to United States of America. But good luck if Trump allows you to enter American soil. Yeah, Jamie says Donald Trump won't allow. Yeah, so that's the sad thing about going to America right now. So anyways, so I hope that you've understood how a geographic location actually matters in your salary as well. So now let us see how your salary can vary according to the team size that you're handling. So if you see this graph, if you, have, if you are handling a team of only 10 members, your salary can start from $104,000.
per year. And if you're handling, let's say, 11 to 50 members and 51 to 100 members, in between 100 members, your salary actually stays in between $110,000. And if you have a team of more than 100 plus members, it is going to be around $129,000 and now if you see by the years of experience now since you were asking me Nathan that if you are a fresher so you'll fall into this category which is less than one year of experience so your salary can range from about $65,000 to $91,000 it actually also matters on the skills you have and the geographic location and your team size also but this is a general survey of a less than one year of experience and if you have one to ten years of experience, your salary might start from $101,000 to $111,111. Did I say that correct? Okay, so basically six ones. And if you have more than ten years of experience, your salary will start from about $135,087 to $150,000. Okay, so Mayang says nice survey. So you can thank the people of Encapsula who have actually done this survey. So yeah, it's a pretty informative survey. So I hope you have all understood how your salary can vary according to geography, team size, and experience. Is that all clear to you? Okay, so Mayang says yes. And I would also tell you that it always matters on the skill set that you have. If you are an expert in DevOps, if you have, if you possess all the skills that your company wants, and it also depends on the company, the kind of company. If you're just going for the bigger companies who are, who are earning a lot of money, obviously they're going to pay you a lot according to your skills as well. So, but this is a general survey of the geographic and team size and experience. So even if you are in the Asia-Pacific re region, don't get disheartened that you are just going to earn $25,000. So if you have all the skill sets that is required, and if you go into a company that is making uh, money, so I'm pretty sure that are, they are going to pay you even more than $25,000. So I hope it's clear to everyone. So any questions? Okay, so no questions. So... This is what we learned in today's session. So we understood the demands of DevOps and who is a DevOps engineer. We have also seen the roles of a DevOps engineer, the skills required to be a DevOps engineer, and I've told you the learning path that you need to follow in order to become a DevOps engineer. And finally, we've seen the salary scheme of the DevOps engineer across the globe and according to experience and also the team size that they are handling. So I hope that you have all understood every of the concepts. Do you have any questions on any of the topics that I just discussed about? Okay, so Jamie has a question. He asked that, how can I enroll for DevOps in Edureka? Well, Jamie, if you want to enroll for a course in DevOps, you can just drop a query to sales at the rate edureka.co and they will get back to you about the course that you need and they will provide you with all the details of the course. And so you just can drop a mail there. So is it okay for you, Jamie? Okay, he says, cool. So this is what we learned. So thank you all of you for attending today's session, and I'll see you next time. Till then, happy learning.